Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode three of the Fitness Vita podcast. I'm your host, Eric, and this is Change Your Mind, Change Your Body, Change Your Life with Michael Ashford. So I originally came across Michael's podcast, I believe on Spotify. It's called the Fit Dad Fitness Podcast, and basically his message is you know, empowering fathers to have a healthy life so that they can be uh, good role models for their kids and just really be there for them physically as well and go out and have fun with them, um, you know, while they can. So uh, when I checked out Michael's website, I had also seen that he had undergone a really big transformation himself. So one of the things I'm trying to concentrate here at the beginning of this show is bringing on people from the real world, maybe just like you at one point that um, kind of made that decision that it was finally time to change their lives through fitness and, you know, healthy eating. And Michael was one of those. So we do talk quite a bit about his uh, story, but real quickly, the conversation shifts over to really what I feel is essential listening for anybody that is partaking a fitness journey or let's say an athlete that is trying to get better through fitness you know putting in the work it uh it, it's a good kind of starting point as to where can i wrap my mind and where does my mind need to be in order to make all this happen as well so anyways i hope you enjoy the podcast this was a really really fun one and this is going to be something that i'm making most of my new clients listen to when they see me as well so without further ado michael ashford of fit dad fitness episode three change your mind change your body change your life enjoy How's it going, Michael? Eric, good to connect with you again, man. Yeah, absolutely. Not too long, has it been? No, it hasn't, but this is good. It's, uh, it's like I think we said on my podcast when I had you on, it's, it's amazing what technology can do, bringing us together across uh, continents and, and time zones. So good stuff. Absolutely. Well, I guess let's go ahead and jump right into this. Um, why don't you take a minute and just kind of Tell me a little bit about yourself and uh, don't want to kind of get into current situation yet, but kind of what led us up to where you're at right now. Sure. Um, born and raised in the Midwest here in the United States, um, now currently living in beautiful Colorado and it, it suits our my family and, and my lifestyle very well. We're a very active family, my wife and our two children. Uh, we're we're kind of living the dream out here in Colorado from a from an outdoors perspective, and uh, yeah, that's that's kind of the situation. We have a dog. I think as we're recording this, it's National Dog Day here, so we're uh, celebrating our our dog that we've had for about eight months now. I want to say, but uh, all good things. I'm a I'm a marketing director at a software company full time and a, a personal trainer, online coach, uh, kind of as a side hustle, I guess you could call it to use the cliche. And yeah, just love being active, love everything about health and fitness really ever since, you know, I got real deep into it way back in 2012. Okay. So, um, 
let's kind of look maybe, you know, go back a little bit childhood, um, kind of high school, that sort of thing. What were you into? What'd you do for fun? Well, in high school and, and late middle school, I should say, and then on into high school, I really took to distance running. I, I grew up the skinny kid. Uh, thank, thank you, mom and dad, for the genes <laughs> of, a, of a high metabolism. And, uh, you know, especially on my mom's side, just, uh, you know, a lot of bean poles. <laughs> and uh, I got that. Now, I'm not overly tall, but I definitely had a knack and a penchant for distance running. And I really took to it. I, I loved it. And so got into it, like I said, in late middle school, you know, seventh, eighth grade. And then I got into high school and became the only freshman on the varsity cross-country team. And we were one of the top-ranked cross-country teams in the state. And, and those, those four years of running cross-country in high school, that was some of the most memorable experiences that I've had in my life. I, I often say it's the one thing that I miss about high school is just the camaraderie of being on a team, especially teams as good as we had at my high school. And I was I was a pretty decent runner myself. I was considered, I guess you could say, one of the top runners in the state of Kansas, where I was from and, and where I grew up. And it it was just really, I, I, a lot of my identity was in distance running. And I loved it. I trained for it almost year round. And, you know, I did track as well. I didn't love that as much because going around the track eight times can get pretty boring. But <laughs> cross country, you know, you're, you're out on the hills, you're out on a, a nice grass course, and it tends to be a little bit better. So that was primarily how I occupied my time, at least athletically, or I guess, sports. But, you know, outside of sports, I was straight A student, I was valedictorian, I was class president, I was National Honor Society, I was all those things. So, uh, you know, I, I had a I had a pretty, pretty good high school career, I, could, I guess you could say growing up. Very well rounded from the sounds of it. I tried to be. Yeah, I tried to be. <laughs> so would you say that's kind of where your your whole passion for this this fitness thing was really rooted and kind of you know what brought about what we'll talk about here shortly? Um to an extent. I mean, you know, my my dad growing up, he was a bodybuilder. And so were my two uncles, his two brothers. And so I, I kind of grew up a little bit in that world and, and always valued being active, valued playing sports. Uh, I can't say that I really valued nutrition uh, as much. Growing up in the Midwest here in the States, it's a lot of comfort food. Everything is fried. Everything has cheese on it or it's breaded. And, and you know, I, I liked that. And, and like I said, I, I think I thank my family for, you know, the new, the genes that I got passed down because I could eat whatever I want and didn't gain a pound. I mean, but I was a very skinny guy. I had the distance runner's body. I was about 130 pounds at my heaviest. Uh, and that, that was, that was maybe with clothes on too. So, uh, you know, I, but I, I always valued it. I, I did love running. And even after high school on into college and, and, once I got out of college and got my degree and started working, I, I still ran quite a bit. I would jump into the gym every now and then, but it wasn't really anything any, too, I wasn't too passionate about it, the gym in particular at the time. But, you know, my wife and I, when we first got married, we would go on runs together all the time. I would, I would do uh, some races smattered in here and there, but always valued it. Was never, it was never really 
a super huge part of my life. Okay. Okay. So that brings us up to current day. And one of the reasons I really wanted to have you on the show as a fitness coach myself, uh, we get a lot of people that I wouldn't say have a lot of background in either weight loss or putting on, you know, extra pounds, that sort of thing as, as far as the men go, muscle gain. So we get a lot of, let's just use the term newbies. Um, mm -hmm. They're not very familiar with it. If you take a look around online, it is a confusing place to really navigate on your own if you're trying to make some sort of fitness transformation. So what was kind of the big aha moment for you where you said, oh man, it's time to take a change. For me, it happened, as I referenced earlier, you know, back in 2012, when I was on a business trip with, uh, and I brought my family along, I brought my wife and my young son at the time, our daughter hadn't been born yet. Our son was about a little less than a year old. And, you know, after I was done with work that day, I came back to the hotel and we all went out to the beach as a family to kind of take in the evening waves. And my son and I are walking hand in hand up and down the beach and my wife runs ahead of us and takes a picture of me holding my son's hand right there on the beach. And, you know, I, I, you can see it on my website, fitdadfitness.com. Um, I, I use it a lot in social media as kind of the starting place because that picture really was the impetus for me saying, I have to make a change. Because what I saw wrapped up in that picture was not only did I not like how I looked, um, like I mentioned earlier, I was very skinny, no muscle definition. Uh, my head looks too big for my body <laughs> um, because I just didn't have any size or mass whatsoever. But I saw in that picture encapsulated the fact that I'm a father now. I have a family to take care of. And I'm not doing everything that I I should be or need to do to ensure that I'm taking care of myself so that I can take care of them uh, in the long run. Uh, you know, if, if being a father is all about establishing a legacy and growing a family and, and, and building this life for not only yourself and your spouse, but also your children and, and your posterity, I guess I should say, then I wasn't, I wasn't committed to that. I wasn't, I wasn't going all in on making sure that as much as I could possibly affect it, that I was taking care of myself physically. And I saw that in that picture. Like that's what flashed through my mind when I saw that picture. And um, I knew right then and there, this is changing. I don't like this. And so I'm going to do something about it. Powerful stuff, man. I, I, I really like it. You know, I think uh, when I talk to my clients, I, I spend about an hour with everybody before we get started. And I always say, what is your why yeah people they don't even know where to begin well i just want to lose weight why mm -hmm. well because i'm overweight why <laughs> you know <laughs> so i like that it was clearly defined for you i think that that's you know the one big thing uh for anybody that's listening out there that's where it starts you have to have your why it can't just be I got to lose weight or I want to get bigger because the motivation is going to fall from that really, really quick. What, what are your thoughts on that? I think what you're ultimately getting at, Eric, and, and I agree with everything you just said, is you have to have some deeper internal drive. There, and, and I believe life is scattered with those moments 
we all can think of a time in our life where we felt that pain of, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing, or I don't feel how I'm, I, I want to feel. Um, I can't do this thing because of X, Y, Z. And we have that, that pain that hits us down in the gut. Um, you know, the, the whole, you know, what's your why? It's a fantastic question. And I, I, I get a little bit, um, not upset, but I get a little bit um, worried that it's becoming cliche because it's being so used to motivate people when it truly is an incredibly powerful question that you have to ask yourself. I mean, if you, and, and really the, the question kind of came to, to light, if you've ever read Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why. And it's a business book, but in it, he really describes how decisions are made and how people commit to things and why people are attracted to um, different companies or, or how they relate to each other on a brand level. And how he describes it is, you know, you can, you can easily describe what it is you do or what it is you want to do. You can easily describe how you want to do it, how to get there, um, what it's going to take to meet your goal. But the really difficult thing that only you know deep down inside in your gut is why. It's, it's almost impossible to articulate why you want to do something. You know, if I ask you, why do you love your kids? Or why do you love your mom? You can try, but you can never really find the words, right? And, and that's, that's what it comes down to. And I think we all have those moments where we, we that, like I said, that pang of, of either regret or remorse or, or excitement stirs up in us that we can't quite articulate to somebody. And it's what we do in those moments where we feel that deep guttural instinct. The choice we make when we feel that, that's where we either progress or we stagnate or, or worse, um, we decline and we fall into uh, bad habits. Absolutely. I, I, I couldn't agree with that more. And, uh, for those of you listening out there, that whole probably three to four minute section is worth a pause and rewind in all. <laughs> I think that's one of the best ways that I've ever heard it put. <laughs> you're, you're clearly a man that, uh, has this worked out inside the head because that's that's a real elegant way to put it. So, um, well, and Eric, something you said is super important, and you kind of brushed over it, but it it it's it bears repeating. Motivation, being seeing a picture in a magazine and saying I want to look like that, or seeing the weight on a scale and saying Oh, I don't like that, I need to drop it, or or seeing a picture of yourself and saying I want more muscles, like that will only get you so far, you know, a, a week's worth of gym, uh, of going to the gym, or, you know, maybe two weeks of, of eating right and eating healthy, however you want to describe that or, or, or define that. You have to have some deeper intrinsic internal drive that you can, that becomes your source of power, that becomes your source of, of internal motivation where you don't have to rely on some, something or someone else to fill your tank for you that's yeah absolutely i mean i see it all the time you know um maybe more when i worked you know with the general population in the states than where i'm at down here in costa rica now but uh you know when you're going to five and six and seven clients 
these people would come in and they don't really know their why. They have a couple sessions with you, then they're gone. You never see yeah. them in the gym again. They'll never see their why because they don't even know what their why was in the first place. It, it's and it's a sad thing because you know deep down there there is some reason why there is something that is driving them that they even signed up in the first place, and it's it's sad because we often don't know how to connect to that thing because we can't articulate it because because we can't walk up to a personal trainer and say. I want to lose five pounds because this is how I feel when I look in the mirror. Like we, again, we can, we can say all the words, but words only get us so far. There's nothing I can do as a personal trainer to ask my client the right question to get that response out of them unless they just feel it. And, and that's super frustrating too on the fitness coaching side, right? I mean, you know, this, you know, this as well. It's like, I can only do so much. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, that, that's for sure. I mean, we got the best program. I can ask you the right questions. You know, there's a little phrase that I use with my clients, I think, all the time, especially when we're going through that uh, initial kind of consultation up front and really just trying to figure out what, the, what that why is. I will look at them and I will say, listen, I'm not your flame. I don't catch things on fire. That's your job. You've got the mm. match in your pocket. But if you can get that little flame lit, I can pour gasoline on it and then we can go. But first, you have to light your own flame. Nobody can do that for you. And if you're looking to people to do that, you're probably not going to be very successful, not only in the long run, but there will probably be a really, really quick burnout. That's good, man. That's really good. I like, I like the imagery there for sure. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you know, you you got to know your why. You got to yeah. know your why. You got to have your flame. I mean, I mean, you got to at least have some ashes there. You know, we can kind of, like I said, we can design the program. I can help you with what you're eating, but you're gonna have to come in and know why you're doing that stuff and where it's gonna take you, not me. It's so true. And, and going back to that picture, man, I mean, I, I can describe to you what I felt in seeing that, but I've obviously over the last, you know, seven years now, seven plus years, I've, I've thought about this a lot. And, you know, it, it comes down to, like I mentioned earlier, in that moment, I, I said, I've got a legacy that I'm trying to build here. And, and these are the moments that I, I snapped to or, or remind myself of over the last seven years. I want to play with my grandchildren on the floor and roughhouse with them and, and not be limited by my body or my mobility. I want to walk my daughter down the aisle and not need assistance. I want to hold my, grand, my, grandkill, my grandchildren in my hands when they're babies and feel stable and secure. I want to travel with my wife after we retire and I don't want to miss out on any experience because my body limits me. I fully understand like I could get hit by a bus tomorrow and all of that is moot and and non-existent anymore. I also understand that I can't control what happens to me outside of the things that are in my universe and I can control. But as much as I can positively affect the future and build that legacy for not only my myself, my wife, my, my children right now, but future generations of my family tree, man, there is no bigger why than that right there. 
Absolutely. That is 100% real talk. You know, I, um, I can relate to that. I can definitely relate to that. You know, as we talked about on your podcast, I have a little addiction to riding sideways on boards. <laughs> You know, with, with my two sons, my oldest one is grown up and he's gone now, but the youngest one is just starting to dabble. Yeah. And I couldn't really bring myself to even think what it would be like to be like, oh, son, I can't go out with you today. My back hurts. Oh. Or, or, you know, oh, man, I don't know. It just, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to make it. I don't feel too great right now. So absolutely, man. It's, it's all about the kids. You know, it, it is secondary, but primary for me, you know, I don't want to be selfish about it, but my, my transformation came from just trying to progress myself, you yeah. know, as, as far as my sports, um, my, my big transformation happened in 2002 when I was, uh, put me at about 26 years old. I'm 42 now. And, you know, at that point, my son was, he was six years old, I think my oldest son. And he was just starting to want to play a little bit. But, you know, in your early 20s like that, your mid-20s, you're, you're kind of invincible still. You're still <laughs> rolling on that kind of teen angst, you know? At least, at least I was. It was still For sure. <laughs> every day and snowboarding 45, 50 days a year. And just it just kept rolling. And I, I kind of figured, oh, I'm going all the time, you know? What's, what's going to slow me down? Well, you know, once you make that transformation, you realize that you weren't even – a fifth of the person that you thought you were after the transformation. No, no, it's, it's so true. I mean, if I think back to how I felt, you know, back as, as a 18 year old or a 21 year old or 25 year old, and I'm, I'm 35 now, I feel better than all of those, all of those ages. And it's, it's like you just said, you don't know what you don't know. You don't know how good you can feel until you actually feel that way. It goes back to, you know, with, with food as well. You don't know how food negatively can affect you, the, the, the bad food, quote unquote, until you eat the good food <laughs> and you feel how, how less inflammation feels in your body or how less bloat feels in your body or how more, much more energy that unprocessed real natural food can give you over the, the heavily processed sugary sugar laden craft that so many people eat like you don't know until you've been there and you understand and realize like this is how it was supposed to feel all along yeah yeah that that is so true so true i think most people you, you know you look at the statistics in america i think according to the cdc website in 2015 70% of America is considered overweight. I mean, yeah. Percent, man. There's 350 million people, and you're telling me that 250 million of them are carrying around an extra zero to 30 pounds over what they should be for their height and weight. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And I think it's the convenience thing. That, that everybody kind of gets sucked into. And, and I get it, you know, whether it's the convenience thing or whether it's the affordability thing, because, hey, let's, let's face it, it's a lot cheaper to just go to McDonald's for lunch and, you know, grab a little bit of KFC on the way home than it is to buy real food. And let's not even talk about the time that it takes to make that real food. Yeah. But the reward for going that extra mile is great. 
Oh, it's, 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 you can't, you can't articulate it. It again goes back to what we were just talking about. Like you can't put into words, you only know how you feel and how you used to feel. Um, and what you just said, convenience, that is in my mind, the driver all of, of all of this. We have for so long sought comfort and convenience over everything else, every technological advancement, every, um, you know, every new car or new, new system that we use at work or every, every new, um, <laughs> just go down the list, every activity that we do, it all has been geared towards over the last several decades of trying to provide us this world of, of as much convenience and comfort over everything else over everything else. It, it, I want it to taste better. I want it to feel better. I want it to look better. I want it to be easier. And what we've lost in that is the physical um, ability to test ourselves. You know, if I, if I think back to my grandfather's generation and the men who fought in World War II and, and that, that time frame, you look at pictures of them, you don't see, a, you don't see an overweight or obese person at all Absolutely. in any of their pictures. Absolutely. And what was life like back then? It was you, you had to work for things. You, you couldn't just drive up and get a 1,200 calorie meal in a bag. You had to not only work to grow that food, but then you had to make it yourself. Um, you, had to, you had things to do around the house to keep yourself physically active. Jobs were more physically demanding. Um, you know, perhaps you didn't drive to work. Perhaps you walked to work. Life was just more physical at that time. And look, this is not a rail against technology. I friggin' love the fact that I can order something off of Amazon and have it on my doorstep in two days. And I don't have to leave the house to do that. I love my phone. I mean, technology is allowing us to talk right now rather than having to travel to meet each other in person to record this. It's phenomenal. But what we have not done well as a society is replace all of the physical activity that was just innate in our day, we've replaced it all with ease and comfort and, and lifestyle choices that make it to where we're not moving as much. We're sedentary. And, and I know this is not, I'm not saying anything new, but to me, it's not food. It's not a, a lack of going to the gym that has caused so much of this obesity and, and overweight epidemic that we're really facing, especially here in the United States. It is that we have sought comfort over everything else to the detriment of our physical health. For sure. Yes. I, I, <laughs> I, I see that, you know, I live down here, um, which we've hit on a couple of times, but I live down here in Costa Rica and, you know, at least where I'm at, I'm out of the city. So there is, there's no convenience where I'm at. You know, we have one place that wants to hold itself off as fast food, but you're still going to go in there <laughs> 20 minutes to get your food. It's not very good. And <laughs> the one big kicker down here is that uh, anything processed is super expensive. A bag of Doritos mm. down here is $7. Oh, wow. So I think, you know, if we could get to that maybe in America, there might be a big difference in the way people ate. <laughs> <laughs> there for sure would be. <laughs> But yeah, the, the whole convenience cycle and wanting everything to just kind of happen quickly and right now, 
you know, that might also play a big part in why so many people burn out before they even get started trying to get these fitness transformations going in the first place. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I love social media. I, I think it is phenomenal. I think if you use it the way that it was always intended to be used, which is to be social, it's a great thing. But it can also expose a lot of, of dark truths about the world. People will um, Photoshop images. They will manipulate photos. They will make their lives appear better than they are. And people inevitably compare themselves to others. And, you know, yes, I can I can lose... I don't want to, but I can lose 15 pounds real quick. Am I going to do it and, and take a before and after picture? Am I going to do it in a sustainable, healthy way? Probably not. But am I going to, if I were a little bit unscrupulous, am I going to post that on social media and say, like, I've got this proven system that'll work for you. You can do it in, in 30 days, you know, however many days you want and manipulate people's expectations further and further away from rea the reality of the situation while also setting them up for something that is entirely and completely unsustainable and actually sets them up to rebound worse than they were, that's where it becomes the dangerous, slippery slope that it, it so often can become. And like I said, the, the expectations of comparison just remove people further and further and further away from the reality of the situation. I mean, if you, if you just use my, me as an example, it took me at least six months before I even said, hey, I think I've put on a little bit of muscle definition here. And then it's been seven years since I saw, I saw that initial picture and I'm still progressing. I'm still making changes. I'm still tweaking and finding out what works, but it's my life now. It's, it's a lifestyle that I don't know any other way to do it. And it's sustainable and it's healthy. And it wasn't a quick fix. And that is, um, that's the unfortunate thing about, I guess, the, the industry that you and I are in, Eric, is, is so many coaches are just trying to promote the quick fix when, in all honesty, it doesn't exist. Absolutely. Yes. Um, I... <laughs> that that's really near and dear to my heart. And as much as, you know, I would love to just be the guy that goes on there and just, what are you people thinking? But you know, <laughs> that, that doesn't really turn heads in today. In today. So we try and no. push the positive message. And unfortunately, sometimes we get buried by the negative messages. But, you know, fight the good fight, I guess, is, is what we could all really keep doing at the end of the day. Yeah, and and just educate people. E educate as much as possible. The truth will will always um, win out at the end of the day. And you know, help people understand that. For me, I described how skinny I was growing up in my genetics. I'm never going to look like I could step on a bodybuilding stage or a competition stage. Nor do I want to. Again, that's unhealthy. That's unsustainable as well. But I think we need to educate people on. Uh, your genetics and set reasonable expectations and and yes you can make incredible progress and and it doesn't have to kill you you don't have to be some fitness and health uh, you know zombie you can make really incredible life-changing transformations with your body whether you want to gain muscle or lose weight or both and do it in a way that you're happy with yourself mentally 
physically, emotionally at the end of the day, every single day. And you're never going to achieve this level or model of perfection, but that that's no longer what it's about. I keep telling people my message lately has really been, think about how you want to feel rather than how you want to look. Because when you do that, when you think about, I want to feel this way, and you get to a point where you feel really good, you want to do what you're doing to sustain that feeling. You're, you're never going to be able to achieve a model of perfection in terms of how you look. Right. Absolutely. So while we're kind of on this topic, let's, let's shift. Okay. okay. Let's go back to 2002. You're that skinny guy. You don't want to be that skinny guy anymore. Where do you start? Okay, so after everything that I just said, I'm going, to <laughs> I'm going to caution people and say, I probably wouldn't recommend a beginner to do it like I did it. Um, if you talk to my wife, you will, she will tell you, when I have an idea that gets in my head, um, it is an all or nothing thing for me. I, I have, I've been blessed with an incredible amount of just energy. My baseline energy level throughout the day is incredibly high. And so when I started, and it was 2012, when I got back from that trip, I joined a gym. I started going to the gym and I went six days a week for an hour, hour and a half, every single day, six days a week. I took Sundays off as my rest day because I knew that was at least important. But um, I, I went after it in a big, big way. Um, and it was, it was your traditional, typical bodybuilding split. You know, like I mentioned earlier, my dad was a bodybuilder. So he helped me out with a little bit of the programming and what exercises to do and, and how to break up my workouts and my routines. But um, I went after it hard. I mean, it was, it was resistance training. Uh, I didn't really pay a whole lot of attention at, at the time as much to nutrition um, as I certainly do now. But I was in the gym six days a week. I went, uh, I went all out, man. <laughs> Beautiful. So it sounds like you had a little bit of a background. So, you know, at least somewhere, you know, to help you out. And that, that's kind of, I think, the first portion that everybody really needs to, to kind of nail down is where am I going to start? You know, because for a lot of people, um, what I used to see in the gym I uh, worked in a very busy gym. Ladies always went straight to the treadmill, straight yeah. to the treadmill. And that was how they were going to lose their weight. And the guys straight to the bench press and the squat rack. And that's how they were going to lose their weight. And you could more the females. It, it is really kind of interesting how, when I started off this, this uh, whole thing, you know, fitness coaching myself, I, how, you know, most of us that are athletes, we want to train athletes and we want to produce the next superstar. But it tends to be the ladies that gravitate in because I think the ladies tend to be a little, little more open to the help than most of the guys, especially because of the, the machismo that plays into mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And it would just hurt me watching these poor ladies, the look on their face as they were just walking on that treadmill and kind of beating it down. And it just, I don't know, man. I hate the treadmill. That, that is the worst thing for me. It is mundane and it is like a torture device for me. And I could really soon 
you know, draw the lines in between why these ladies were burning out so much is because they just didn't really understand where to go with it. So I, I guess that brings us back to you. So you start off with the bodybuilding. Um, did you, when you first started off with this, did you say, I'm going to do a 30 day program or I'm going to do this for 60 or what was your, from the get go? Because obviously as you get into it, everything starts to change and melt around. But what was your initial mindset going into it? Did you have a set amount of time that you told yourself you wanted to commit to and see what happened or how did, how did that go? No. No, uh, it was a, hey, I'm making this lifestyle change. This is, this is who I'm going to be about, or this is what I'm going to be about. As a person, as, as, a, as a guy, I'm going to be about taking care of my body. So there was no, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this for 30 days and see where I'm at, or I'm going to do it for six months and see where I'm at. Uh, this was, I'm, this is who I'm going to be now. I'm going to care about my body. I'm going to take care of my body for as long as I possibly can affect. I want to make sure that I, I set myself up for a lifetime of health and wellness. And, you know, I had goals, certainly. Uh, they weren't time bound. You know, one of, the, one of my first goals that I had was I would love to uh, get up to 150 pounds. And for me, that meant I would have to put on at the time about 18 pounds of muscle, um, thereabout, because I was starting at about 132 and I'd never even sniffed 150 pounds, <laughs> uh, in my, in my life. And so that was one of the things I, I wanted it. I wanted to put on all lean muscle. And so that was, that was a goal, but again, it was, it was never time bound, um, and, and since then it's been, you know, little, little things like that, um, little goals that I have, whether I've never been real big into how much weight I can move or how much weight I can lift. That just doesn't interest me that much. It's been more about, uh, physically testing my body with different styles of working out or different weights or, uh, different movements or different ways of exercise. I totally agree with you. The treadmill is the devil. Um, and perhaps the least sustainable way to get fit and healthy. Uh, but it's, like you said, often the place people gravitate towards the most because it's, it's simple. It's easy. You get on the, the little uh, turning mat, and you press a button, and you go. You don't have to know about sets and reps and tempo and pauses and you know <laughs> phasing of your work, all those things that you you kind of – learn over time as you get into to weightlifting and resistance training. But um, to answer your question, I guess more succinctly, it, it was not. It was not a, uh, a time-bound thing at all. Good, good. And you know, that, that's exactly the picture that I want to paint for really anybody getting into this. Because if you do have some kind of time wrapped around this, what happens if you simply just don't meet your goal? You know, there, there's so many people that I, I find a lot of people, it's weird because they're almost looking for, you know, they got that foot out the door. They're putting in the effort. Maybe things don't quite happen for them right away. You know, like, like you said, with yourself, you didn't do much with the nutrition. Easier for us hard gainer guys, you know, because we can just throw yeah. it doesn't matter <laughs> is for somebody that you know may say 
be on the other end of that spectrum. And, you know, oh, I want to lose 15 pounds in 30 days. Well, you know, it's, it's possible, but it's, it's not something you really want to do in the long run because unfortunately those crash diets, they go up just as quick as they go down. And it mm-hmm. all, actually it comes back probably two times quicker than, than what you lose it. So I really like that, that mindset. And that, that's where I really try and, you know, tell all of my clients is, hey, you kind of got to look at this more as let's find out what's going to work for your lifestyle rather than trying to wrap some time around it as well as telling you this is what you have to do. Let's find something that's going to work for you so you can do it, get your results, have fun, and keep doing it. Keep that weight off or in your, in my case, keep that weight on. And what you just said is, is so often overlooked. Um, exercise, fitness, getting into a state of wellness, bodily wellness, I wholeheartedly believe it should be fun. And if you're exercising and you're doing something that sucks and you don't want to do it and you dread it from the moment that alarm clock goes off and you're, try, you're constantly thinking of an excuse to get out of it or that you don't want to be there or that you're at your happiest when the workout is over, that's, there's something wrong there. There are so many different ways to get healthy and fit and exercise that you should be able to find something that speaks to you, your goals, your body, your, your motivations. Like to some people hearing what I did and getting in the gym six days a week, uh, that sounds like medieval torture to them. And I get it. And, and I understand that's not for everybody, but that doesn't mean that all exercise is bad for you and that you're going to feel that way about everything. There's something out there for you. Now, I wholeheartedly believe other methods of exercising are better than, than some. Like I, like I mentioned earlier, the treadmill is awful for sustainable results because if you think about a treadmill and you think about your work out there, it's all about the manual burn of calories in and of that time that you're on the treadmill. And it doesn't pay attention to all the rest of your day outside of those, you know, 30, let's say 30 minutes to an hour. What resistance training and building your muscles and, and creating more lean, bo- lean muscle mass within your body does is it helps boost your metabolism so that your body becomes a calorie burning machine 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, it, it, by, by creating more muscle, which requires more calories to just fuel throughout the day, you're going to burn more calories outside of your exercise window. With, with long state cardio, like getting on a treadmill, you're all about burning you know, 400 calories in that 45-minute session, and then your body adapts to that. And so to burn the same amount of calories you know, a month later – you either have to increase the, the intensity, so you got to bump it up maybe to a seven and a half instead of a six and a half on the, on the treadmill, or you've got to go longer. You've got to go for an hour now to burn 400 calories, and then your body adapts to that, and then you got to go an hour and 15 minutes, and it just cycles and cycles, or you got to start drastically cutting your calories because your body, it, with long state cardio, um, it sheds muscle. It says, I don't need all this muscle. I'm trying to work on my endurance here. And so it stores up a bunch of calories to get you ready for that long state 
uh, cardio session. And what happens is if you start to miss some days or you're a little bit lax on your nutrition and your body's used to spending all these calories every day from all this cardio that you're doing, the minute you go a little bit lax on that, your body blows up. It balloons up because it's so used to storing calories for that cardio session that it doesn't know what to do with them. And so it just stores them as fat to get ready for the next time. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that, that's the raw truth of it. And, you know, I, I don't know if, you know, obviously you and I, um, both certified trained professionals can, can wrap our minds around that. But for some reason, that's not something that really gets talked about you know, on a daily basis, especially when you go on Instagram and there's this ripped guy eating a steak and throwing his French fries down and telling you, man, I eat whatever I want. (laughs) And all I do is work out for 20 minutes a day, three days a week, you know, bad examples out there, bad examples. Mm -hmm. So this has just been gold, you know, talking and and getting really into the truth about this, which I I don't think many people really want to tell the truth. But hey, I'd rather spend a short amount of time with somebody and set them off in their lifestyle than try and scam some money out of them and know that they're never going to get better at the end. Because that's really, really commonplace in, in the fitness industry today. Oh my goodness. Yes. It's, it's so many coaches are in it to get their clients to lose as much weight or put on as much muscle as possible in a set amount of time. So then they can package those workouts and say, get shredded in 30 days or, you know, get, uh, get ripped in 30 or 45 days or my three month program. And they all time bound it and slap a price around it. And it's all about posting that before and after picture on Instagram to get the next round of clients. And what you have in that world is you're, you have people setting up clients with a lot of unhealthy, unsustainable practices. They put them on these ridiculous diets that just drastically cut their calories and they're eating the same crap every single day, chicken, brown rice, and broccoli. Or man, we may switch it up and instead of broccoli, we'll have asparagus this day. And, like, it just, uh, and we may change out the brown rice for quinoa this day because because quinoa has a little bit more protein and you have the muscle bros that tell you that you have to have a pound or a gram and a half to two grams of protein per pound of body weight and just totally a lie. But again, it's, it's all about posting these before and after pictures online to get the next round of people who are, who see those before and after pictures and don't understand either a, the tremendous amount of sacrifice and an unhealthy practice that has to go into achieving them or um, they're, they're not told the truth about what that person looked like or did or how much time was in between the two pictures. There's just a, there's just a lot of liars in social media. And, and to be quite honest, Eric, like that's one of the reasons why I am so, um, I, am so I, I rarely show a client's picture on social media. If they want to do it, that's fine. That's their initiative. If they want to do it on their social media and tag me in it, that's fine. I rarely ever will repost it. I rarely ever post my client's progress pictures because that's not what it is about. Their progress is their own and they only they know the time and effort that it put into it. But I want to do it in a sustainable way, not just to get that before and after Instagram picture. 
Absolutely. I have the same exact philosophy, man. I, <laughs> all my clients, after the first meeting, go home, take a picture of yourself, take it off your phone, put it on your computer. Don't look at it until 30 days at least. Yep. Then we'll come back and we'll take another one. I, I don't want to see it. That's for you. You know, that, that's your thing. But you got to have that way that you can see what's going on. And also, I'm not going to be the guy that takes your zero day picture and your 120 day picture and claim it as a 30 day picture on my Instagram post. Yeah. Yeah. No, just it's never going to happen. And what you don't hear or what you don't see when you do that is the conversations that you and I have with our clients where, you know, just the other day, one of my clients told me, I have made more progress and feel as good as I have over the last two months of working, uh, working in your style and your program than I did in the previous six years. And I could put, I could post his comparison pictures. You know, he sends me the comparison pictures. I help him see all the little noticeable changes that I'm seeing as a way to make sure that he understands, look, maybe the scale's not going down this month. That's not our goal. Our goal is to build muscle and maintain from a nutritional standpoint. But then eventually we will drop your calories a little bit and you'll shed some body fat and those abs might start to appear a little bit more than, than they are right now. And your shoulders might look a little bit more cut. We're going to see that in the pictures, but it's all about what he told me. I feel better. I feel amazing. I haven't felt this way in the last six years. When you talk about good, effective, sustainable programming, that, those are the conversations that you and I get to have that are so enjoyable. I have clients telling me that, man, I, I went to a theme park. I, I went to Disneyland and I picked my, my daughter up and held her on my shoulders and I didn't get winded the entire time. Um, you know, just moments and things like that where they get to experience life, man, because of how they feel. Their body's not holding them back anymore. They feel unbound and released like that's what it's all about. It is not about the Instagram picture. It is not about putting, you know, the transformation post on social media. Yes, we all do it. Those things happen. I only share my own transformation just to, for my own ego's sake most of the time, if I'm being totally honest. But <laughs> like these things, these are the things that behind quote unquote closed doors that are the thing to go back to our beginning, you know, conversation that's the why that people have to connect with. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now let's, uh, let's kind of roll on that a little bit more. Um, back to your initial transformation. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's talk maybe, you know, cause I know you, you, you're self-proclaimed adventure guy. You like to get out there and have your fun. Oh yes. How did those adventures start changing from not having done your transformation to now having some solid muscle mass, some higher endurance, better recovery. How did those experiences start changing for you? Um, it, it came back to something I mentioned earlier, which was I, I never wanted to be comfortable in one modality or one way of doing it. Uh, yes, going to the gym and lifting weights is my preferred method of, of working out and exercising and, and being fit. Uh, 
and, and staying active. But what I, what I, as I got deeper and deeper into it, I never wanted to be locked into this box of, hey, um, Michael's a bodybuilder. And so I began to seek out ways to test my body to make sure that I wasn't getting too comfortable with lifting and working out and, and the, my preferred way of exercising. So I, I said, from now on, all of my goals that I have in terms of fitness are going to be outside of the gym. Yes, I'm going to use the gym to prepare myself in a lot of ways, but if I have a goal or something that I'm aiming for, it's not going to be, you know, lifting, squatting a certain amount of, re- uh, of weight in the gym. It's not going to be, you know, increasing my bench or my deadlift, or it's, not go- it's no longer going to be putting on a, a certain number of pounds of muscle or dropping weight or going through this bulk and cut cycle. It's going to be, how can I take what I say I'm about, which is longevity and health and, and fitness, big F, <laughs> um, and, and apply it in other areas of my life where I can put it to the test. And so it kind of got its start with um, obstacle course racing. I had always kind of had my eye towards this as something that I wanted to do. And I, I finally said, you know, what? I'm going to sign up for the, one of these. I, I went with the, what I perceived to be the easiest, which was Warrior Dash at the time. I got hooked on that and I eventually started doing Spartan races. Um, totally different exercise uh, variables when you talk about obstacle course races than being in the gym. Um, the gym is very prescriptive and very regimented and very, and very strict in a lot of ways. Obstacle course racing is very loose and um, you use muscles you didn't even know you had <laughs> in, in obstacle course racing. And, and there's the cardiovascular aspect to it as well. Um, here recently last year, I, you know, I, I can look at my window right now and see the, the front range of the, the Colorado Rockies. And I said, why not use this land that I've been blessed to live near as a way to be, to better my health and fitness. And so um, my goal the last couple of summers has been to summit some of the tallest mountains in Colorado, those 14,000 plus foot peaks uh, that, that puts you basically on top of the world or it feels like it. It's a different way of testing myself endurance wise, mentally for sure, uh, but it puts me in an uncomfortable position because it's not what I'm used to. And and I don't know if you've ever tried to breathe climbing up a mountain at 13,500 feet as you're trying to get up to 14,000, but it's really friggin' hard. <laughs> and so um, I've, I've done that. Um, I've gotten into running some 5Ks again recently just because I, I wanted the endurance and the cardiovascular benefit. And now next year, I've got my sights set on a triathlon. I've never done a triathlon. I can't swim. So there's my discomfort. Um, I can ride a bike. I can run. I can't swim. So I've got to figure it out. I've got to find a way. I've got to find a coach. I've got to find somebody who can help me. Um, you know, I, I can swim about as well enough to get from one side of the pool to the other on the short end. <laughs> and so um, th- those are the things, man. It's, that's how it's changed for me. You know, it, it initially was, I want to I wanna look healthier. I want to feel healthier. And I used the gym as the means to accomplish that. But now it is, I want to make sure that I'm living out what I what I say I'm all about, which is 
I'm not about looking a certain way. I'm about feeling a certain way and experiencing things. So that's a really long-winded answer to your question, man. But that's, that's really how it's shaped and molded over the last several years. No, no, I, I absolutely love it. Um, okay, well, Michael, that, that's good stuff. Um, I love the fact that not only was this, you know, this transformation kind of maybe just on the surface started out as being a visual thing for you. It did. It, it's really kind of transformed into this functional thing that has, has bred over into many, sounds like many, many different aspects of your life. And, and the, the great thing about it, man, is I get to do it with my family. Like doing, doing things outside of the gym, like I'm never going to take my, my six and a half year old daughter into the gym with me. Eventually, if she wants to, for sure, I want to bring her along. My son's already asking about, you know, when does he get to come into the gym? I, I keep telling him just a couple more years, buddy. But, uh, you know, being active and, 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 and out, out doing things to move my body more, like I can bring my family along. So I get to have these experiences with them as well. We go on hikes. Um, we, we are active as a family. My son did a Spartan race this year with me. Like, it's so cool to be able to bring my, like, this isn't just a selfish me thing, as I think so many fathers, especially, or parents think that it is. You can bring your family along. And it is, it is a fantastic way to connect, to bond, to be together as a family. And oh, by the way, <laughs> you get to get healthier in the process. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I know your thing is, is being the fit dad, but I know that as a whole, we as a society, not just as dads, not just as moms, but as a society, we really need to start being better physical role models. I mean, I cringe every time that I hear that they're pulling physical education out of schools, uh, knocking on my head and just who is making these decisions, man? People, human beings were made to move. If you do not, your body punishes you for it. And this is the example we're going to set for these kids at 10 and 12 years old. Come on. It's, it's, it's staggering because the science so very clearly shows the correlation between children moving and exercising and being active and being better students, being, uh, you know, more emotionally stable, um, more able to handle conflict and, and trials or, or tough times, um, more competence. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on and on the, the correlation and the, the ability of kids to be effective in every other aspect of their lives when they have exercise and activity and play built into their day. I mean, I don't know about you, Eric, but you know, if my kids are cooped up inside all day and they're not moving very much, let's say we're having a lazy Sunday, the, the, the mental anguish that happens in our house because everybody's just in such a grumpy mood is, is uh, it's staggering. But if we just get them out on a walk around the block, or maybe go down to the park for you know a little bit, and I participate as well to kind of clear my head too, the mood shifts completely. It's the complete opposite direction. And to take that out of a school setting where you're, you're expecting kids to sit in a desk, kids to sit in a desk for six, seven, eight hours a day, 
without being able to move and get out that energy and, and use their body and their minds in a different way to exercise creativity, to exercise problem um, solving skills out on the playground. It's just staggering, man. It is, it is so sad to see. It, it is. And I, I could not agree any more with you about just adding a little bit of some kind of physical to it. Uh, yeah. it it's just, it, it's fresh in my head because yesterday, this just happened to me yesterday. I woke up a little early and it was going to be a family beach day. We were going to go to the beach you know, about 11 o'clock or so. And we're, we're in the harder rainy season here. So dad skipped out and he got his high tide surf session in, in the morning and <laughs> it was going to be family beach day after that. And then the skies just opened up. So, you know, my son's playing with his trucks, doing his thing and, you know, just all of a sudden you can feel the frustration. My wife's been on the computer. She's been getting her work done. I'm kind of moving around the house and my son's just sitting there playing Granted, he loves playing with his trucks. He needs to get that energy out. So I said, you know what, man? Let's go out in the pouring rain and just drive around. He's got this big truck called a big uh, a Bigfoot. It's like three feet long. It's this big plastic. Oh, dump. yeah. And he loves to run with this thing. And man, we went out and it wasn't even 20 minutes outside. And he's like, Dad, I'm tired. But he comes inside and the mood was... <laughs> 80 degrees in the other direction it, it is i mean if parents just stop and, and watch and look and pay attention to it you'll see it it's it's clear it is um and it's it's unequivocal how much of a difference it it truly makes a absolutely and you know on that topic while we you know are kind of talking about the kids this this is one thing that i'm i'm really push home with my clients you know when i tell them look we were made to move. Our bodies love to move. Pay attention to a child. Have you ever seen a kid running with a straight face? No. <laughs> like drugs for them. Ear yeah. to ear smile once they start running around, man. It's a, everything is so simple with the kids. It's an instant reward, instant gratification for whatever they may do. You know, everything they are not co convoluted by bills and, you know, crappy food, hopefully if the parents are giving them good food on a side note, <laughs> but everything <laughs> is simple and really, you know, when, when you look at, at, at a child's life and everything is simple, the one thing that constantly, constantly, constantly brings happiness to their life is movement. And I tell all my clients, you have to be in that mindset as an adult, because it's therapy, straight up. You know, one of the things that I always, uh, I often point out to people is, you know, when you see a, a baby get down into a squat position and start playing on the ground and they can hold it for, <laughs> you know, 10 minutes and you always, if, if an adult sees them, they're like, oh, look at that. I, I can't do that anymore. I couldn't even, I couldn't even get down into a squat period. Um, we as, as human beings, that's how we're meant to move. We're meant to be in those positions. We're not meant to lose that until we get into advanced age, obviously. But I, as an adult at 35 years old, should be able to sit in that squat position down with my kids every bit as easily as they can. And my age is not an excuse to not be able to move. Um, in fact, I should know and understand my body even more so 
to move in different ways and push my body beyond perhaps what the limits of my governor in my mind might think that I'm capable of. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that's a prime thing. And not only, you know, are, are we made to move, but there are certain ways the body has to do it. Mm-hmm. And it's not what most adults do, you know, you yep. look at the kid, they squat down, those knees are stacked over the toes. That back yep. is great. They're going to pick something up. They're not doing it with the back, those shoulders, <laughs> you know, and I, I'm always using, you know, the child as, as an example with clients. And I tell them, you know why they do that? Because that's the way that it was supposed to be. They're not training. Well, they are training <laughs> in a way, <laughs> you know, because things are, there's a whole process that one of my mentors would always talk about, you know, when it came to children. And you think how many times they have to practice just to lift their head up mm-hmm. or just to roll over. And then it progresses into a pull up. And then it progresses into a step. And it's thousands and thousands of times, but it is always done with perfect form, barring that they don't have a, a slight handicap or, yeah. you know, or, or something wrong with them, um, heaven forbid. But it is always done a certain way. And that's really what we have to also hit on with the adults is that, hey, man, there's one way to do this. It's not what works for you. There is one way to do this. Otherwise, you're going to get hurt. Now you're talking your body penalizing you for that. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true, man. It's good imagery again. <laughs> so let's, um, let's talk a little bit. I, I don't want to go too deep into it because this is kind of one of those where we could really, really, really go on the rabbit hole with it. But looking back on your, your initial transformation, you said that you didn't pay much attention to the nutrition, at least right away. When it was finally time that you realized that you were going to go ahead and, and reel that in, what did that look like for you? The best way that I can sum it up, Eric, is, and this is a phrase that if you've listened to my podcast at all, you've heard me talk about this, eat real food. That is, that is as simple and as basic and as, as complicated as it needs to be. Eat real food. Eat food that is as close to its natural form as possible. So things that come in boxes or things that come in cans or things that come out of the freezer, um, you know, out of a, out of a plastic package, you, you start to evaluate, is this the most healthy option for this particular food? And in those instances, it typically is not. And so, like I said, I grew up in a Midwestern, you know, comfort food kind of style diet, lots of fried stuff, lots of stuff out of a box, lots of bread, heavy, heavy carbs and starches and sugars and, and oils and fats. The, the, di- the change in diet was to move away from as much of that as possible and to eat food that is as close to its natural state as possible. It's real. It's real food. You, you can look at a, a piece of steak and say, yep, I know what part of the cow that came off of. You can look at a chicken nugget and say, well, <laughs> that may have come from a chicken <laughs> anymore with some of the stuff that they're coming out. You may not know. It could be 
plants. It could be who knows what they put in it. Some chemical fillers. I don't know, but uh, it's not natural. I'll tell you that. Um, so lean meats, lean meats that are, you know, grilled or sauteed, not breaded, not overly, um, overly uh, fried or, or things like that. Vegetables, fruits, complex carbohydrates that fill you up and keep you full and your body can use that's more bioavailable like brown rice and quinoa and sweet potatoes and you know hemp seeds and flax seeds and things like that it's again if you people people know and that's the thing eric is is people know people understand the difference between what is a healthy food and what is not i think they want to overcomplicate it because they don't the, the preparation that goes into making a, a meal that is of real food is more complicated than popping open that box of chicken nuggets, throwing it in the oven, and eating 15 minutes later. It's a different process. But okay. people know. People know that that grilled chicken breast that I made on the grill last night is better than the breaded chicken spicy sandwich that comes uh, at, at Wendy's that comes served with a side of deep fried potatoes and a frosty like they understand it's not that difficult and people try to complicate it and make it more difficult than it has to be because they don't want to put in the work to gain the benefit to reap the benefit of what it takes to eat real whole natural food yes yes that is that is so true so you're that that's always really what I kind of recommend with my clients as well. We want to eat the real foods. So from there, you know, let let's talk a little bit about what does like a typical day look for you and your your meal placement, your meal timing, you know, your frequency. What what does that look like for you? Sure. Um, so I wake up super early, <laughs> so I'm, I'm up at about four 30 in the morning, uh, to get to the gym. I work out in the morning because that's when no one expects anything of me. That's my time. Um, and I wasn't willing to cut into family time in the evening. I already mentioned I work full time. So, um, I, I chose the morning made other sacrifices in other areas to do that. I wake up, I have a banana and some cold brew coffee, black, no, no sugars, no, no cream or anything like that. Uh, and then I head to the gym. So I get kind of that jolt of, of simple carbohydrates and caffeine before I head to the gym. Post-workout, uh, which I usually wrap up at about six o'clock in the morning or so, I'll have my uh, whey protein isolate shake. And that's roughly 30 to 40 grams of, of uh, protein that I'll, that I'll have in that, depending on how many scoops I had that day. Once I either get home or drive into work, depending on if I'm working from home that day or, or driving into work, for, for my breakfast, I will have um, oatmeal, just a, a bowl of oatmeal. I, don't add, I typically don't add anything to it. If I do want something with a little bit of sweet in it, I'll add a little bit of pure maple syrup, not sugar, not brown sugar, none of that stuff, um, honey or maple syrup. That'll uh, last me till probably about mid-morning we'll, when I'll have some sort of um, an, a little bit more protein, whether that is in the form of like a, a cheese stick and perhaps some jerky, or I also like these um, little protein 
uh, muffins, basically. They're called uh, Flapjacked. And it's a company that I've actually, they're based here in Colorado. They make um, these really well, well macroed out protein um, muffins that you just heat in a microwave. Pretty good. Um, but again, try to trend more on the natural side. Um, for lunch, I'll, like today I had uh, a salad with like cucumbers and tomatoes and um, turkey breast and avocado and some feta cheese. Um, and a little bit of dressing, maybe maybe two tablespoons of dressing. I wouldn't say I have that every day. Most of the time what I do is I have uh, dinner the night before. I'll make a little bit extra. And then I will have that as leftovers the next day for lunch. Or if you don't want to meal prep, that's a great way to really not have to, to meal prep and, and make a bunch of extra food. You just make a little bit more the night before and then you have leftovers the next day. Um, mid-afternoon, I typically will have a piece of fruit uh, with uh, a fat like peanut butter. So I, I, one of my go-tos is an apple with some natural unsweetened peanut butter. Uh, get a little bit of that boost of natural bioavailable simple carbohydrates out of the piece of fruit and a little bit of, little bit of protein, uh, more so fat to sustain me to dinner uh, out of the, the peanut butter. And then dinner uh, tonight, for instance, I'll be making kind of a, a grilled steak with zucchini, and I believe I'm going to have some broccoli and some brown rice with that as well. And I'm the cook in the family, so that is, that's on my to-do list as soon as we're done here is go make dinner. But um, that is, that's that. And then I typically have enough room left in the end of the day. I don't count my macros anymore. I don't count my calories. I I've, I've done it enough to where I kind of know where I'm at based on what I've eaten that day. My wife and I enjoy a, a little late night snack after our kids go to bed. And so um, I'm a huge chips and salsa fan. <laughs> so I typically will have chips and salsa probably around eight o'clock at night. Uh, I, I head to bed at about 10 o'clock, but uh, either chips and salsa or I like a little bowl of granola sometimes with um, some almond milk mixed in. But that's a typical day. Um, it'll fluctuate. The, the food choices will fluctuate based on, again, what I'm making for dinner. Um, but that's, that's pretty much it. I'm a pretty regimented guy, although I'm not a super stickler about it. No, no, I, I, I like it. You know, I'm, I'm very similar with the way that I eat. Um, I, I like to ask my guests, you know, what, what's working for you? And I've yet to have somebody a full conversation with somebody that's doing this whole, Oh, I eat in my three hour window a day <laughs> calorie meals, you know, but th that's what I preach with my clients. Uh, eat frequently, eat your small meals, fist of protein, fist of carbs, add some veggies or fruits, you know, and, and make sure it's real, 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 real basic, you know? And I, I think that's the easiest way. Um, yeah, unfortunately I recommend, you know, just like what you were saying, you don't count the macros anymore, but you, you probably need to when you start because. Uh, oh, absolutely. A hundred percent agree. There are a lot of people. Well, I would say the vast majority of people, they have absolutely no idea. They can't look at a banana and say, yeah, this is 70 calories. Yep. Look at an egg and say, yeah, this is 80 or 90 calories, you know, off of the size of it. And my piece of bread is a hundred calories. You know, I, I often find is as soon as we get in, the one thing that I do is I have somebody or I have all my clients download a, a certain, you know, software. I won't say yes. <laughs> yep. 
download that piece of software and then that way they can share it with me. And after a week, we go back there and look at that and their, their minds are just blown from what they're eating. Um, more often than not, it's just not enough. And, and people don't understand like your body runs just like your car. If you want to drive 400 miles, you're not going to get there on 300 miles worth of fuel. It's not going to happen. You're absolutely right. I mean, a lot of times it's not enough. Um, one thing that I, I tell all my clients, because I'm the same way, I have everybody track, is don't change anything about how you're eating in this first week. We want to see what your baseline is. And people's natural tendency is, oh my gosh, I'm, check, I'm tracking my food and my coach is going to see this, so I'm going to play it a little bit safe this week. But I, as much as I, tell, as I can, I tell them, don't change what you're doing because we have to change habits, not just for a week. We have to do it for a lifetime, right? And so um, to your point, people often aren't eating enough protein and they often aren't eating enough vegetables. I tell all of my clients almost across the board, you've got to eat more vegetables. That's the, and making nutritional or diet changes it has to be done in stair steps or, or in little increments. You can't expect somebody to sustain going from, you know, eating on average a 3,500 calorie day, eating 3,500 calories a day and say, okay, you're now going to do this and eat real natural food and you're only going to get 2,500 calories today. It, it just, they'll drive themselves nuts. Yeah. So <laughs> to burn out right there, not being able keep up. Yep, ex exactly. And so the things that we work on at the very beginning are things like, look, you only have on average, maybe one to two servings of vegetables a day. Get an extra one in. Commit me to me over these next two weeks to eat an extra serving of vegetables every single day, whether that's in the form of a salad, whether that's some steamed broccoli, whether that's some Brussels sprouts, some green beans, like get it in. And that's all I want you to do. That's the only change that I want you to make this week. And then in two weeks, we'll add a little bit more. We'll add before we start to take away. Well, we may say, hey, you need to start drinking more water this week. Or, hey, I want you to eat um, an extra 15 grams of protein today because you're a little, or this week, because you're a little bit under. And then as we establish those good habits that say, hey, I'm adding, I'm not restricting, then we can start to say, okay, this week, I want you to kind of back off the carbs. So how can, we, how can we manipulate your diet a little bit to say, you know what, instead of that muffin in the morning that maybe has 45 grams of carbs, let's have a bowl of oatmeal that maybe has 30 grams of carbs. And we start to manipulate things little by little to where you're not driving yourself nuts and like you said, getting into that burnout. Absolutely. It's the little changes that will make the biggest difference in the long term, I think. And, so, and that's, that's not going to create the, the 15 pounds in 30 days transformation. Right. But again, that, that's not what we want. We don't want that because that doesn't sustain itself for a lifetime. That's not a lifestyle change. That's, that's a, a point in time. And that's not what this is all about. Uh, yeah. And that, that statement right there is pure gold. And that is, you know, hopefully what everybody will, will take from this. So 
in conclusion here, I like to ask <laughs> everybody, um, th- this has been a great conversation and, and Mike, we're, even though we're not going to continue on much longer tonight, you and I are going to go at this again because I feel like more of this type of conversation needs to be happening in the fitness industry. It's just not happening today. And it, I love it, it. it really needs to. It, it yeah. really needs to. Agreed. Uh, in conclusion, let's say you, well, you know, you do this, you, you get your people that know nothing about fitness and they come to you and they say, Mike, I need to get in shape. What would you say are your top three tips that you would tell to Michael when he first started, if you could go back and talk to that Michael, what are your top three tips from what you've learned up until today? The first is um, resistance train, weight train, and just like I did, but I would do it in a different way. Um, If I was just starting out, I would say resistance train, start with three days a week, total body, focus on those big compound movements. Now, you might not be ready to squat or deadlift right away, so work yourself up to those things. You know, then there's a progression that you can do to go from, you know, nobody's going to go up and immediately rip 350 pounds off the ground in a deadlift as a beginner. But there are things you can do. You can, you, you can work dumbbells. You can use resistance bands. But focus on the heavy compound movements that, that work more muscles in one singular movement uh, than these isolated exercises like don't just go stand in front of the mirror and do bicep curls. <laughs> so um, total body training weight training three days a week, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. Beyond that, just move more every day. Find something to move more every, find something to do to move more every day. So that's the, that's the exercise part. The nutrition part, eat real food. You will not believe the physical change, the emotional and mental change that come, the energy level change that comes with the mood change that comes with eating real natural food, eat real food. You know what it looks like. I don't have to tell you that, you know, something that comes out of, out of a box is less healthy than, than something that comes off of the produce, um, you know, out of the produce section at the grocery store. You know that, trust your instinct, intuition, intuition there. The third thing is, as I mentioned earlier, stop thinking about how you want to feel or how you want to look. Think about how you want to feel. That is the key to quote unquote success in fitness. When you can get yourself to a place where you care about how you move and how you feel, your, your mental state, your emotional state, your mood, and how exercise benefits that, and how, what, how eating a really good, healthy, clean dinner just gives you life. It, you feel better. You're no longer inflamed. You're no longer bloated. You no longer have the gurgly stomach after dinner for the next hour and a half. Think about how you want to feel rather than how you want to look. And I guarantee you, you will just flat out make better choices across the board in everything that you do. Those are the top three things. I love it. Absolutely priceless. And, you know, kind of before we go and uh, wrap this up, Michael, you have a project yourself that you're pretty passionate about. And if anybody wanted to connect with you, why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, what your project is and where everybody can find you? 
For sure. So my website is fitdadfitness.com. You can probably assume by the the name and the title what it's all about. But really, my passion and my heart in terms of fitness is to go through the same kind of, uh, I guess, transitional or or awareness change that that picture brought me as a father and as a husband back in 2012. I want to see more fathers involved in their kids' lives. And I think fitness is a fantastic way to be the foundation of that, to set up, set men up, set fathers up to build a legacy. And so fitdadfitness.com is all about equipping fathers to live active, involved, healthy lives with their kids. Um, I've got the Fit Dad Fitness podcast which uh, you've been a guest on and, and have blessed my audience with as well. So many thanks to you for that. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a passion project for sure. I absolutely love it. So I uh, would be honored if, if folks checked that out as well. And I'm on social media. That's, that's, that's the basics of it. That's pretty much it. <laughs> I like it. We'll make sure that uh, all of that information is going to be in the show notes here so people can track down Michael. And I guess in conclusion, I want to say thanks for your time, Michael. This has been absolute gold. I'm really looking forward to, you know, passing this on and hopefully people take the time to sit down and listen to this because, you know, I've, I've been in this industry for a long time. These conversations don't happen very often. It does not. And it, it, as far as, you know, really just putting reality in rather than these, you know, kind of unrealistic expectations that tend to be set too often in the fitness industry. And, uh, you know, my friend, I I wish you best of luck out there. And if there is uh, anything we can do for you in the future, you know where to find us. Eric, man, it has been an absolute pleasure and an honor. Uh, I loved the conversation. I can't wait to do it again. So uh, thank you so much for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. And just like that, episode number three is in the books. I hope you all appreciated listening to that as much as I did making it because there was some great stuff in there. Anyways, I want to thank you one more time for tuning in. You can find me on any of the major podcast hubs throughout the internet. So if there's a space where you can leave us some comments, please do so. Help us little guys rise up and uh, spread the message. I hope you all have a great week and looking forward to bringing you my next episode real soon.